0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you.
1: Illuminati.
2: Coming down in three, two,
1: one. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the great white north and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard.
2: And welcome once again to Strange Planet. Great to have you with us. On this episode, we are going to delve into things like the revelation of the method. This is uh, the rule of the elites that require them to reveal their plans and their truths, often hidden in plain sight, disguised as fiction and art. We'll also discuss the uh, Balenciaga scandal and uh, symbolism in the new Netflix Pinocchio film. Time permitting, we'll also touch on the alien agenda and um, more. And we're going to do that with Isaac Weishaupt, who is the author of The Dark Path. He's also host of the podcast Occult Symbolism and Pop Culture, which is focused on pop culture and its role in the occult agenda to instill ritualistic symbolism in entertainment. Isaac has been on the leading edge of theories surrounding the elusive Illuminati and its infiltration of the entertainment industry. Using examples of familiar pop culture and works of entertainment, Isaac has been speaking and writing about the occult from a unique perspective that seeks to understand the big agenda, while helping others along the way. Hey, Isaac, welcome. How are you?
0: Good. How are you doing, Richard? Thanks for having me
2: on here. Appreciate oh, it. My pleasure. Great to meet you. Likewise. So, Isaac, in any relation to your mm-hmm. uh, your namesake, Adam Weishaupt, the uh, the founder of the Illuminati?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. That's that's something we should we should get to the uh, forefront on. So when I started my journey into this, this realm of conspiracies and the occult and all of these, you know, kind of taboo subjects. I started this back in 2011. Uh, I was blogging. I was writing about these topics, learning, right. And I'm still learning to this day. And when I, when I did all this, it was, it was really scary back then. And it still is today, but I wanted to choose a pseudonym. Now in hindsight, Terrible pseudonym. Don't choose the name of the, the supposed boogeyman, right? Uh, but that's what I did. And I just kind of have to live with it now. My name isn't Isaac. My last name is definitely not Wisehop. Uh, I'm of no relation, as far as I know, to the Bavarian Illuminati founder himself. Uh, so, yeah, it's something I always have to address. And it's kind of funny at this point, but, you know. Oh, it's I, Hey, it's a great conversation starter. I assumed
2: that it, that you weren't, but I just thought I would uh, I throw that out there. And it worked. You see, it's a great conversation
0: starter. <laughs> Right on. Yeah. Yeah. And and on my journey, I've I've learned so much and, and I'm kind of in a weird spot where over the years I've had to focus on different elements and, and podcasting was something I started up in 2014. But my niche that I've I've certainly dove into has been the spiritual aspect of conspiracy theories, because what I believe in my worldview. Uh you know I'm a I'm a a Greek Orthodox Christian not a good one a terrible one same here And oh here. interesting okay Yeah I, in fact I I recall I listened to several of your shows in the past um what got me what how I found your show was uh, you interviewed the the Fall brothers do you remember them Oh yes I've had them on a yeah. couple of times and on Coast yeah. to Coast as well yeah Yeah and and uh I I bought several of their films and uh, I really enjoyed them but I really find that the sort of occult, I I don't want to call it a religion, but the occult sort of philosophy, spirituality, I find it fascinating that you can see it pop up so often in pop culture. And that's, that's what I tend to stick to. I don't like getting political. Uh, I don't like getting too, you know, fire and brimstone. You know, I, I I try to find this balance of keeping it engaging, keeping it entertaining. Um, I want to make people feel better about their day. I don't want to, I don't want to fear monger and make them feel worse when they get done listening to the show. So I try to have a good time, but yeah, the the it started out with a whole bunch of conspiracy things, but I've really niched into occult symbolism as we find it in entertainment and trying to understand these different occult religions that are, you know, when it comes down to anti-Christian in a way. Right, right.
2: So um, let's just talk in very general terms first about the the Illuminati, because it has become sort of shorthand for... Every conspiracy theory. Oh, that's the Illuminati. I mean, there was a time in in history. So, for example, if you read Shakespeare, he often references, you know, the Jesuits. They were behind the conspiracies, right? The Jesuit conspiracy to uh, assassinate Queen Elizabeth I, and so forth. Um, now it's it, it's all about the Illuminati. What do you think people should understand about Adam Weishaupt and the Bavarian Illuminati? Were they Hell bent on world domination, or were they, as some say, just you know, is this kind of a a fraternity that uh, that that
0: wanted to improve the human condition? You know, and this is something that we get into these territories. I, I went to college for engineering, so I'm not a historian. I'm certainly no theologian, but the way I understand the way I view who the Illuminati was as an organization, referring to the Bavarian Illuminati, uh, it was kind of a enlightenment philosophy the idea that uh, man could choose his own destiny a man didn't have to do what the the royals or the the church with the capital c would tell them to do Uh, and a lot of that is stuff that we find in american society we we very much subscribe to this this idea but then it gets into some other realms where where do they want to take us with that right and a lot of the times when you research these different inspirations for what the illuminati was trying to achieve you get into uh, neoplatonism and stuff and you get into these ideas that they think they can either um reinstall a scientific theocracy or they could at least ha- send us down the path of this and the idea is that science should be the new religion in a way uh, and again I- this all get It gets very subjective and it gets into different sort of ideas of, well, it depends on what you want to believe. But the trend that I see, again, from my worldview would be they want to go back to this. They believe in this sort of Atlantis idea of these, uh, you know, magical powers and stuff like that. And, and the science realm and the technocracy is what they want to they want to pursue. Um, but again, we're talking about when I say the Illuminati, I'd refer more to this this long line of people who are trying to garner knowledge from occult or unseen forces and this is the same knowledge handed down through various mystery schools secret societies that's why that's why you hear about the freemasons and the rosicrucians and you hear all these same you know familiar names uh you could argue it's this uh you know cabal of the ultra wealthy trying to use their power and their wealth to push messages and symbols that can send us down this big path where they want to evolve the consciousness of the masses. And to me, and I try to be fair to people who don't believe in Christianity, but to me it seems like all signs point to this desire to have a a, a global new world order with a luciferian sort of antichrist thing which sounds very conspiratorial and paranoid but the more you look at all this stuff and the more you look at all the different theories and theorists that come before me that are you know I'm standing on the shoulders of giants here you could see that a lot of this stuff really is embedded into the pop culture it's really embedded into the the cartoons and 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 disney and and all these all these things and to me i think that what they're trying to do is get in touch with enlightenment much like the story of Prometheus, you know he's the he's the luciferian character and and the idea is to use the knowledge of man for man to become God. That is the ultimate end game to me from my perspective, right. Well, look around us. I mean, one could say, uh, okay, Adam uh,
2: Weishaupt, uh, mission accomplished. I mean, science is the new religion. Uh, we seem hellbent on this path towards artificial intelligence um uh, merging human consciousness with computers, the Neuralink, um, uh, transhumanism—you um, know—we're we're almost there, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you, 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 you focus on the um, the, the occult symbols that that just permeate, um, you know, mass culture, and this kind of gets us into a discussion about revelation of the method because. It's there for us to see in plain sight. It's hidden in plain sight. What is this? Is it an unwritten rule that these occultists have that, that, that they are required to tell us what they're about to do?
0: Yeah, the, the theory. And, um, you know, in fact, I was just, I'm, I'm working on Michael Hoffman's book, secret societies and psychological warfare. And he makes some interesting ideas about how this all works and. The short version, the, the way my simple brain can understand it, they have this end game of wanting uh, this global world order. And, and and this starts getting into politics, which isn't my forte, but the idea would be you can consolidate power and then you could have full control over people. And, you know, you, you can't have this nation going and in, in doing their own thing while another one's doing a different thing. You want everyone in lockstep for full control. That's the idea. and at the head of this will be the antichrist luciferian sort of head figure and obviously with all the abrahamic religions of you know christianity and 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 muslim and and um and the jewish they wouldn't really subscribe to this and that's most of the world so the idea of revelation of the method is that at a certain point when the people behind this feel that they've got enough control that there's no one that can push back or stop them, they will then reveal what they've been doing the whole time and what the end game is. Because in a way, they need they need people to subscribe to this. And for me, when I look at, for instance, we can look at Alistair Crowley, right? A very famous occultist from the early 1900s, practiced all kinds of different ritual magic. Black magic, white magic. He he kind of synthesized a whole bunch of global ideas. And he made contact with this disembodied entity like many religions when they start off do. And this spirit he called Awaz, it dictated to him what the future will look like and how he was supposed to usher in the New Age, the Aeon of Horus. And in this New Age, there was all these sort of axioms, and the big one most people most people are familiar with is do what thou wilt and what this means is everyone has everyone's special right and in one of his books uh Liber 77 he says every man and every woman is a star and the idea is everyone and this gets into all kinds of stuff like alchemy and things but the idea is that everyone has a very special purpose for being on earth and everyone needs to pursue that will at all costs you know do what thou wilt so your your goal is to make contact with your holy guardian angel some you know disembodied entity and have it tell you what you're supposed to be doing here on earth what your mission is and then you pursue that at any cost it doesn't matter who gets in the way uh and this gets into ideas of satanism and social darwinism might is right and all that but the idea is you pursue that will at any cost and what we're talking about again to to simplify it, because I know a lot of this stuff for some people new to it, it might just be all over the place. To simplify it, the idea is that in in Crowley's New Age, that the uh, you know the New Age we of uh, Aeon of Horus, man pursues his own will, and that's a fundamental difference to the Christian worldview of doing God's will. And and as you could imagine, it's it's a dangerous idea for people. You know, we're we're humans. We're all full of sin. We all have. Uh, issues with our own judgment and and trying to pursue things that make us feel good versus what we should do uh, so there's a lot of a lot of fault in that thinking of pursuing what you think you should do uh, but you know again this is that's going further down the line but that's that's the future age is one in which crowley said there won't be a focus on any external gods man will be god and again lining up with that overall idea that that's what they want they want man to pursue his own will. And that's kind of what we see with the fueling of social media. Everyone's a star, Crowley said, so everyone's, you know, they they do things for follows and likes, and they kind of live their own world through their, their social media and cell phone at this point.
2: Right. And if you take God out of the equation, then the concepts of good and evil just become an opinion, one man's opinion, which is a place where we want to be
0: and and that's what the from what i understand the symbol of duality so like on the in the freemasonic temples on the floor they have the black and white checkered floor that you see so often and that they call it the moses pavement and the idea and, and it's not a reference to moses from the bible it's a reference to uh muses but the idea is that the black and white represents this duality aspect of good and evil and in the christian worldview. We say, well, you know, there's things that are good and there's things that are evil. But in their worldview, they say, well, there's kind of shades of gray. And then when you start boiling it down and digging into it, you eventually come to the conclusion that, well, you know, evil was just a social construct made up by the Christian church or whoever. Generally, it's Christianity that most of these people I study have a real beef with which tells me something right because i because i have my doubts right like i'm not i'm not the most faithful christian on earth i have a lot of doubts and a lot of things i'm supposed to just believe but when i when i read what the sort of other side says it makes me sort of believe it more uh but yeah the, the idea is that you strip away the idea of good and evil as constructs and then really you know it's no holds bar in a way right right um
2: I've had a number of conversations over the years with Robert W. Sullivan IV, who writes about occult symbolism in in cinema, and um, it's always great talking to him. Now he he looks at it. I mean, he's uh, he's a Mason. I think he's Scottish, right? Mason, so he doesn't you know necessarily buy into the the conspiracy of uh, you know. The Illuminati and so forth, but he sees the occult symbolism in cinema as just kind of these nice cool little layers that we can appreciate in the film if you spot them, like little Easter eggs. But what is the power? Is there power of placing occult symbolism in, let's say, a, a film? And we'll get into a Netflix's Pinocchio here in a moment.
0: Most definitely, and I and I've interviewed uh, Robert Sullivan as well. Uh, yeah, his books are fascinating; they're great, but. The purpose for the symbols, you know, Carl Jung is one of the key figures when you when you dig into the occult and try to understand who the the thought leaders were that really put a lot of weight behind it. And Carl Jung, a psychoanalyst, he was very much into the occult, and he studied the whole phenomenon of everything. And he said that symbols give purpose to man. And if you go back in history to what the the ancient mystery schools were teaching, they would go through, ceremonies and rituals and psychodramas like you would find in uh you know the church of satan as well but they knew that symbols hold power and they're able to convey full thoughts and that's why they use them in these different ceremonies and there's one idea that if you if you go to one occultist eliphas Levi, he called it charging up the magnetic chain And the idea was that if you could sort of infuse a symbol into the masses, it could take on its own energy. And, uh, you know, most people listen to that and they're like, who cares? What are you talking about? Right? Well, the people who are doing this stuff, they practice a thing called ritual magic and they get a lot of their worldview from the, the practice of alchemy and alchemy. Again, you know, not to go deep deep in the weeds, but we're going back to Thoth in ancient Egypt and the Emerald Tablets, and this 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 god Thoth came down and taught man magic, and and you could argue this is the same story of of Enoch when the fallen angels were teaching man how to use magic as well. But anyway, the point is, there's different different methods of using this ritual magic, and and the the key idea to understand about ritual magic is that you've got this they call the hermetic axiom because uh it comes from hermes who's the same as thoth but the idea is there's as above so below and it's the idea that the cosmos are connected to the earth and we have a physical body here on earth we also have an astral body out in the cosmos and when you understand that from a magician point of view you start trying to conduct rituals to channel and energy and change the world according to the way you want it to be and a lot of people subscribe to this stuff you know Alistair Crowley infamously was taking a walk with William Seabrook and Seabrook didn't believe his theories of magic and, and Crowley said okay well watch this and he did a little you know little ritual of some kind and and got the guy in front of him to start limping just through sympathetic magic by Crowley himself limping the guy in front of him 20 paces ahead started limping Uh, But the idea is that there really is a power behind this, and I'll, I'll give you one quote real quick, because I feel like this sums it up the best. There's a book called Infernal Magic. It's about the order of nine angles. It's this sort of satanic magical group, but they say that the magician utilizes signs and symbols as part of a communication process with a phenomenon she wishes to understand or affect and assigns meaning to the phenomenon and again it's just the idea that you could push these symbols out it does something energetically and then the magician can use that energy to shift the universe quite literally into doing what they want it to do manifesting reality exactly that's right that's why the triangle is such a big symbol the triangle of manifestation uh the magician uses it to conjure up an entity inside of that triangle you know, the idea that it's locked within the boundaries of the triangle.
2: Isaac, we'll take a quick time. I will come back and uh, discuss uh, more on revelation of the method, and also we'll get into the uh, symbolism, the occult symbolism in the new uh, Netflix Pinocchio film. Back with more of our conversation right after these. <laughs>
1: The truth will set you free. Free, free. But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
2: Isaac Weishaupt, a host of occult symbolism and pop culture. Um, I, before we get to Pinocchio, I just want to talk about again something I think has to do with revelation of the method, and that is uh, predictive programming. And. Um, I mean, there's so many examples of we want to talk about, uh, you know, The Simpsons, which I don't know, the producers really seem to be plugged in. They have predicted, you know, there's the the, the Twin Towers falling on 9-11. There's the election of Donald Trump. I mean, there's barely, uh, there's barely a, I don't know, an historical event that hasn't happened in the last 20 years, it seems, that The Simpsons animation series hasn't somehow, you know, foretold or, or, or prophesied. Um, What do you think is happening with predictive programming? Is that part of the revelation of the method?
0: I do believe so. I I think that, and this gets down into some of the uh, quantum physics areas, because when you get down into quantum physics, it gets into magical thinking again. It gets into law of attraction, which is an idea started by Helena Blavatsky, a very famous occultist who started a, a sort of philosophy religion called theosophy which frank Baum, the guy who wrote wizard of oz was into and so on uh, but yeah when you get down into it some of the ideas of magic overlap with the idea of quantum physics and that includes this talk about charging up s- symbols and sigils and stuff like that but arguably you know and if you ever get into mandela effect like that's some weird stuff too hmm. and it's the idea of you know and obviously i don't know but the, They say there's multiple universes and parallel universes and uh, what happens in this realm can affect the one in the next, Uh, you know, and I'm not really sure how to, uh, how to sort of divide that out and make sense of it all. But I do think that when they show us something on film or television, it's arguable that they're doing it so that the mind can prepare to accept what's going to happen. And like, for instance, I wrote two books on aliens and the occult recently, and that was one of the ideas behind it is that they show us all these different alien films and UFO films and different types. Some are good, some are bad, but the whole idea that I think they're trying to warm us up to is that there's a a consciousness aspect that we have to sort of believe in these things for them to manifest. So they don't really care if we think they're good, bad, uh, you know, ugly, whatever. As long as we believe and we can they can somehow focus that energy into sort of manifesting these things i i think is the the key there
1: Hmm.
2: all right so uh let's talk about the new netflix pinocchio um the occult symbolism in in there what should we watch out for
0: so i actually hadn't seen the original pinocchio so i watched the original one right after I watched the new Netflix one, because the new one on Netflix, it's confusing because there was two released this year. One was starring Tom Hanks, and then there was this other one by uh, Guillermo del Toro. And in the del Toro version, when you watch it, if you watch it passively, you might not think much of it. But when you watch it from this perspective and this filter of... This occult fantasy of getting people to subscribe to a Luciferian religion, then you end up seeing a lot of different ideas within there that I, I did a whole show talking about. It. it took about an hour and a half to cover every point, but I'll, I'll hit some of the big ones here. The first thing they show us in a major part of the film is about this child choosing a perfect pine cone, right? And the pine cone, it's a symbol for enlightenment or immortality. It's what the reference to the pineal gland is, the third eye. Uh, and also, you know, if you get into some of the sort of fringier ideas of conspiracy, they say that the pineal gland is where they harvest adrenochrome from. But it's it's symbolic of the sun god Osiris, who is the the symbol for the the death and resurrection god from ancient egypt which you know people like bill cooper talk about how we still to this day the occultist buy into this this sort of religion of, of of osiris the dying and rebirth god uh but you'll notice in the film part of the so the, part of the storyline is about how geppetto is carving a crucifix for the for the church and when he when he creates Pinocchio, but I, I'm just thinking out. I'm thinking while I'm talking. I'm like, man, I probably sound crazy trying to explain not? all this. But Pinocchio is a, a homunculus. It's literally a homunculus that you find a guardian angel of sorts infuses a spirit into this wooden puppet that Geppetto makes. So Pinocchio, much like the story, of, and this is much like the uh, story of Frankenstein. Uh, which is again a very alchemical occult symbolism rich story about science creating man uh, man becoming god so geppetto he is making the crucifix and here comes pinocchio and he starts sort of i don't want to say mocking the crucifix but standing in the same position as if he was the crucifix uh, which what some could argue is heretical but then the people in church they call out pinocchio and they they say he's like the devil and all this stuff and the audience is meant to sympathize with pinocchio cuz it's just this little boy and you're like wow why would why would this uh you know why would this mean these mean people at church be so mean to this little boy and it's interesting because on the on pinocchio's journey uh without without going too deep into it he eventually dies And he comes back to life. Again, this is the Osiris, uh, the death and the rising sun. It's kind of your uh, occult 101 things. And the reason he does that is because he he becomes whole. And the reason why we think that is because that pine cone at the very beginning of the movie, Geppetto makes a point to say, hey, you got to pick the perfect pine cone. This one has like some damage on it. That's no good. And you have to find the perfect whole pine cone and this goes back to an idea of Carl Jung. Carl Jung says I'd rather be whole than good. And the idea is that once one understands this duality concept that evil really isn't so bad, then they can become whole because good is actually a false construct. So Pinocchio becomes whole like the pinecone and he's reborn. And there's all kinds of symbolism in the film of osiris the sun god in fact at the the one part of the film the the guardian angel that brings him back to life she they, they if you have the captions on you can see it it mentions something about rising like the sun sun and then she says the very next sentence go and be his son son talking to geppetto uh, so it's very clear to me that del toro was infusing a lot of this occult religion this this allegory. And it, and it all boils down to the worship of the intellect. That's why it's got to be this all-seeing eye of the pineal gland and the pine cone in there, because uh, Del Toro is trying to expose a mass audience to a new religion without them understanding. It's a bit of a bit of uh, predictive programming, if you will.
2: Mm. Um, and and um, again, do you think does this work subconsciously on 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 people? Is it like? um the subtext that they don't necessarily notice but it's still it's still a persuasive tool for people
0: absolutely it it's it shows the audience that it and you know it's hard i try not to be sensational but what they're trying to teach is to be rebellious and the the point of that the i mean if it depends on cities you want to get about it But the point of that is to question authority, question religion, question what your parents taught you. And I'm going to read you a quote from Del Toro because they asked Del Toro if parents should watch this Pinocchio movie with their kids. And he said, he basically said yes. And he says, obedience to me is when you are told to follow something, whether on a religious level or a social level that you don't understand. That's a big mistake. Disobedience with consciousness is always the beginning of thought. So to me, I think he's trying to plant seeds because that's what the Lucifer archetype is, is about rebelling. You know, he's the fallen angel, the rebel angel and all that. And and look, I'm not like, I'm not uh, <laughs> the best Christian on earth, but I also wouldn't dream of making a movie for kids where I'm subtly planting these thoughts and these themes and these images uh, because I feel like, you know, you're, there's a certain responsibility i feel to try and keep people on the right path and to me i just can't get behind this idea that lucifer is this misunderstood hero of the intellect that a lot of these people seem to subscribe to yeah i'm
2: with you isaac will take another time out come back more of my conversation with isaac weishaupt the host of occult symbolism and pop culture don't go away
1: it's time to redefine reality this is richard Serrett's strange planet
2: author podcast host isaac helped. how do we listen to occult symbolism
0: and pop culture it's on all the streaming platforms you know apple Podcasts, spotify i'm even on rockfin i've got a patreon if people want to get rid of the ads all that stuff so i'm i'm all over the place just look up occult symbolism and pop culture uh, or you can go to my website, IlluminatiWatcher.com. I've got links for the show on everywhere there.
2: Fantastic. All right. Now this is kind of a dark chapter. Um, the, um, Balenciaga, this, uh, fashion house. So last, I guess it was in November, they dropped this big holiday ad campaign and they had children holding teddy bears in bondage harnesses and costumes and, uh, these, um, these uh, same kind of accessories were also uh, on uh, on the runway at Balenciaga's show at, in uh, during Paris Fashion Week, and of course, there was a huge backlash against uh, these images, um, and they, um, I guess, they issued an apology. Uh, still, others are claiming, "Oh, this is just some crazy right wing conspiracy." So, let's uh, I'll get you to sort of try and unpack this for us. What's what's really um, well, first of all, there's more to this than than just the uh, the teddy bear holiday campaign. There were a couple of other instances, but maybe you can illuminate us on those as well.
0: Sure, yeah, and that, and that's what's interesting here uh, because the the media, I, I believe it was the New York Times, had an article comparing this to just another QAnon conspiracy. And I've always been really critical of the Q movement, even back in 2020. I got a lot of backlash. Because I'm not, I'm I'm a pretty liberal guy. Uh, I'm not like politically, I don't align with the Democratic Party or whatever. I don't, you know, I think both parties are are shady. But I'm a pretty liberal guy when it comes to our rights. And for me to see this stuff and say, "Wow, there's a lot going on here with this," the symbolism I see on these ads, and this is pretty disturbing. I'm definitely not the people that they're saying are the, are the ones talking about this. And Q to me was always meant to be a psyop because, you know, we, we witness all this censorship of, you know, people like Alex Jones. Like, I don't believe in everything Alex Jones says, but I stand by his right to say what he wants to say. And everyone sees this sort of condemnation of one certain line of thought. And that's a real problem. And now they're using this to get, other people to dismiss this story when you know and and, and let's unpack some of it for people if if they're not familiar i'll I'll, I'll do a brief sort of overview of some of the interesting ideas this teddy bear thing people might not realize that that's a a pedo symbol online Uh, this goes back to what they called the pedo bear and i actually i studied several of stanley kubrick's films uh you'll you see the teddy bear and it ties into abuse of children specifically. Uh, Like in The Shining, Danny is seen sitting with the teddy bear and there's certain symbols and theories about the movie that the movie is about Jack, his father, abusing him or having abused him in the past. But more specifically, Eyes Wide Shut, you see this symbol. Um, Eyes Wide Shut is one of the fascinating movies. I constantly see something new every time I watch it. I've done at least seven episodes on this on this film and wrote about it in a book but in eyes wide shut you know people are familiar with the storyline tom cruise and nicole kidman he gets roped into this sort of secret society that has a, a party with that's you know explicit but what's interesting if you watch it you can find at the end of the film when tom and nicole are in a toy store they're They're in this toy store and down the aisle is nothing but teddy bears on both sides. And you see their daughter more or less get taken away, not forcefully, kind of led away by two older men. And if you watch the film, those two older men were at the party earlier in the day where the, you know, where these elites were hanging out. And the whole idea that you could argue here is that there's a coordinated ring of trafficking of this kind of thing. So when you see the teddy bear, that's one big sort of red flag. Then people found that there were court cases in the paperwork on the table that referenced uh, distribution of illegal materials yeah. with kids on it. You know,
2: United States versus Williams. That was a ruling that it it, it, had, it upheld the Protect Act, which was um, increasing federal protection against child pornography. So they had, they had the, the um, Um, Balenciaga had partnered with Adidas, I think it was. And in this ad, they had, uh, one of their bags on top of the, these documents. And it was clearly, you could see it said United States versus Williams, which again is our direct reference to child, child pornography.
0: Right, right. And, and in one of the images, so when I first heard about this, that image we're talking about, they, they, they took them down from their website. So I was on their web, Balenciaga website, looking for. These images, and I stumbled across a different one. And on this image, you could see if you zoomed in, and I had to put this on my Instagram, but on the one wall, you'll see uh, crayon marks showing like different dates and heights, like you would if you were, I don't know, like uh, kids growing up and you want to mark the date on the wall. And people started talking about these dates. And the one day in particular, February 3rd, 2013 was the day that Beyonce was at the halftime Super Bowl and she did this infamous you know triangle of manifestation uh, with her hand the illuminati triangle which was a big to do but on that same wall I found when I was zooming in looking around I found very clearly to me there was there's 666 six, six on the wall and that you can see that they photoshopped a smudge through the top 6 to make it look less obvious uh, but you can find that you find that the the tape they use on the floor, they have it spelled ball b a a l, uh, which is a reference to this this ancient deity that they would sacrifice kids to for for rain or whatever you know back in the day. Um, and the Bible warns about people in the the valley of uh, Henom, I think it was called. They're like, hey, stop sacrificing kids to this Moloch. Um, but and there's all these symbols everywhere. You see the white rabbit on the shelf, which was. Uh, You know, you could argue that's the symbol for Alice in Wonderland or uh, people think that this ties into adrenochrome theories, but there's a lot of symbols in there that suggest a lot of dark stuff and to make things worse, they published more photographs and in the new photographs, they have a couple of art books on the desk. And if you look up the artists that did these art books um, you can find some very strange things. For instance, there's one book uh, by Matthew Barney called The Cremaster Master Cycle on the desk. And I looked this up, and it's basically this five-part film. It's several hours in length. You can't find the whole thing online. They were sold as 20 sets of DVDs for 100K plus. And the only thing you can find is a 30-minute clip from one of these films. So I watched this 30-minute clip, and it's this and it's very strange, it's very avant-garde. But you see the artist dressed up as Hiram Abiff, who's the mythological father of Freemasonry. Uh, and then they say he's the entered apprentice, which again is a Freemason reference. But what's very strange is that you'll see there's scenes of cannibalism in this clip. Um and you see that there's uh, symbols of Osiris, uh, Osiris rising w- with the X in this clip. Then the other artist on the other book is named Michael Borman. The The book they have on the, on the desk is called As Sweet As It Gets. And a lot of people confuse this with a different book he created called Fire from the Sun. But nonetheless, this Fire from the Sun book shows uh, it's paintings of these toddlers these newborns and they're doing very gross things and and they, they're they walking around with severed heads it looks like they're doing cannibalism stuff with the, with their cooking parts in the fire um that's very disturbing stuff so you know balenciaga isn't wasn't doing themselves any favors when they released even more photos uh and as far as i know the the people involved every single one of them is disavowing anything to do with any of this stuff there's lawsuits i mean it seems to be that it's already sort of falling off the radar as we speak a lot of people aren't really talking about it much and i I think that that's a strategy for them is to just say hey you know people have a short attention span let's just give it three months and people will have moved on to something else
2: and and is this by design that they're trying to what normalize this um you know, it just seems like there is one kind of controversy slash conspiracy after another. There was, you know, that whole Wayfair, um, you know, furniture packing uh, um, scandal and and, and uh, that was basically dismissed as a conspiracy theory. Although I don't think we ever got a, much of an explanation as to what happened. And I'm not suggesting that Wayfair was responsible. I mean, it could have been a third party, you know, Using Wayfair as the uh, as uh, as an instrument, I suppose. But, I mean, what, what what's really going on here? Do you think?
0: It seems to me this is part of revelation of the method, and that that Wayfair furniture thing. I watched Stanley Kubrick's Lolita film, which is all about a, a guy trying to get with a minor, and it was strange because in the movie there's audio dialogue of this guy who's. He's, he's sort of the handler that, that connects older men with these young girls. And he talks about how he can find people to use as furniture, which I find very odd. It was just an odd statement in the movie. And of course, in Lolita also, they later, the, the young girl ends up going to New Mexico and she comes back and she says, oh, I went to New Mexico and I was at this ranch full of weirdos and artists and all this stuff and this was all 2020 exactly (laughs) yeah you're already there yeah exactly zorro ranch out in new mexico uh which is and look i mean kubrick made that film before epstein was doing all that stuff but it's just very odd to me and i think i think there's something very strange happening with all these celebrities you know kanye west fascinating character uh you know, love him, hate him. I, I change my opinion about the guy every day. I don't know what to believe about this guy, but I find it fascinating how he seems to be espousing a lot of these conspiracies that we've talked about over the years of MK Ultra ideas and handlers. And and people see um, you know, Britney Spears is a case I follow too. And I had her first husband, Jason Alexander, on my show a couple times, and he was saying that back in 2020, he was talking about. How she's under control from this conservatorship. And I got so much grief. People say, oh, this guy's crazy. And no, Brittany was not like that. And then, sure enough, a year later, it's all over the news where we find out she was under a conservatorship and she couldn't even buy a cup of coffee without permission. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, it, there's some wild stuff happening in pop culture right now. And it just, to me, feels like a lot of things are getting disturbed up and they want it to settle into the new world that they want it to be.
2: Well, we'll, uh, we'll have to bring you back on. Uh, I'll have to bring you back on soon, Isaac, because yeah, we have barely scratched the surface. I'd love to talk about Hollywood handlers and uh, delve more into occult symbolism in, in Hollywood. At the Super Bowl, at the Grammys, at the Academy Awards, we see, you know, the Illuminati signs flashed everywhere. Uh, it's a fascinating area, and uh, some of it is uh, pretty dark and sinister. So... Um, Look forward to that. Once again, how do we listen to Occult Symbolism and Pop Culture?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'd love to come back because, uh, like you said, we, scra- we barely scratched the surface. There's a lot of uh, different ideas and, and different schools of thought behind all of this. Uh, they can check out my show, Occult Symbolism and Pop Culture, I'm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much everywhere you can, you can get podcasts. And if people are on Instagram, follow me at instagram.com backslash Isaac
2: Thank you. All right, Isaac, thank you so
1: much. We'll talk again
2: soon. Cheers.
1: A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.
2: And...